Praise God. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed or downtrodden, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you, the, the I tell you truly, many widows were in, the, in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the days of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Then all those in uh, the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up to thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which the city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then, passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Turn to Mark 6. Mark 6, beginning at the first verse. Then he went out from there and came to his own, own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. 
Now he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Father, I ask your blessings be added to the reading of the word. I ask God that today this message might touch the hearts of all of us. That God, your Holy Spirit would open our, our hearts and our understanding and our ears would be unstopped. That God, we would look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, to make this word come alive. And Lord, may your anointing rest upon this pastor to preach this word, for without you we can do nothing. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I spent 22 years in electronics, and in electronics you have conductors and you have non-conductors. A non-conductor are necessary. Non-conductors are useful. And they can keep you from being hurt. They can keep you from being electrocuted. And uh, they're, they're great, but they cannot conduct the flow of electricity. People are like that in the kingdom of God. There's some that are conductors, and there's others that are non-conductors. We need to be conductors. We need to be a channel through which God's power can flow. And I don't know why there's so much unbelief in the world today. Jesus said, will there be any faith when I come? I think that we need to expect great things to happen. If we expected great things to happen, we would see great things happening. We're limited by our belief. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that right? God's power is the same. The only thing that, that limits God is our belief. And Jesus was limited in the reading here. He was limited where? Amongst his own people. Isn't that amazing? Of all places where the power of God should be made manifest, it should be again uh, among God's people. And yet, it was there that familiarity had caused such gross unbelief that it says here, Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. <laughs> Who marveled? The Son of God marveled. Now, the way I've been taught, God knows everything. Nothing catches God by surprise. 
And yet, here I am told that Jesus marveled. What caused him to marvel? The Son of God marveling. I think he marveled because man was not reacting the way he should. Man, we might expect to marvel, but God never, right? And these men were not reacting as they should. It doesn't say he got angry. It doesn't say that he was even grieved in his spirit. It says he marveled. It doesn't say he was sorely disappointed. The word here is thalmazo, uh, and it means to marvel or to wonder, and it's only used twice in the New Testament. In the other places over in Luke 7, verse 9, you can look at it sometime. But it's the only two places in the New Testament where it says that Jesus marveled. You know, if man marvels, it may not mean much. But when God, the Son of God, marvels, then we ought to pay attention. The Bible says he marveled, and I think we need to really grasp a hold of what's, what's going on here in the Scripture. I think it has much to say to us today. I think it has a deep meaning. At whom did he marvel? The men of Galilee. Those of his own hometown, those who were near and dear to him, those who he loved, those who he had grown up with. He'd lived amongst them for about 28 years. He'd probably gone to synagogue schools with them. He'd worked amongst them. He was a carpenter. They said, isn't this the carpenter? He'd probably built things for them. Maybe he'd made a table or a chair, or maybe he had uh, made a yoke, uh, for a yoke of oxen. He'd worked amongst them. He'd, he'd fellowshiped with them. He'd ate with them. He'd, he'd talked with them. They were so familiar with him that they expected absolutely nothing to happen through him. And that can happen in a church. I mean, listen, I, I know that that's Pastor Rook up there. See? He drives bus around town here. And, and he's no different than, than I am. I've seen the way he acts. I've talked to him. And you become so familiar that you don't expect the power of God to be able to work. We got to call in an evangelist. Got to get some uh, some big name or somebody from out of town. Well, I'm sorry, Joe misunderstood, and he was supposed to have been here this morning. 
but he's ministering up in Ogdensburg. But that doesn't mean the power of God isn't here. Amen? And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he can work this morning as well as tonight. Hallelujah. Look at uh, John 1 and verse 10. It's some of the... Uh, it's one of the saddest scriptures that I know of. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. God, who loves you so much, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. That's sad. No wonder he wept over Jerusalem. He said, if only you had known your time of visitation. How many of us this morning might not be paying attention and we might sleep right on through the visitation of God that God wants to visit his people here this morning? Insensitive. Over-familiarity. It could be true of this church today, couldn't it? Would Jesus marvel if he was to walk in here this morning? Would he say, I want to do some mighty works. I want to do some great things in here this morning. And we have the old home attitude. Ah! Sunday again. Got to listen to Pastor Rook again this morning. Nothing has happened last week. Nothing's going to happen today. That's the way they were. They were used to going to the synagogue. And they didn't expect Jesus was going to do anything any different. I mean, after all, he was just a carpenter. And they had their bro his brothers and, and, and uh, his half-brothers and half-sisters there. They knew him. Hey, can anything good come out of Nazareth? What did he marvel at? Not their sin. I mean, he knows what's in man. He knows that we're sinners, right? He didn't marvel at the fact that they were sinners. Sinners do what sinners are supposed to do. He didn't marvel at their blasphemies. He didn't marvel at their lifestyle. But he marveled because of their unbelief. He didn't marvel at their diseases. He didn't marvel that some of them were halt and lame and deaf and dumb and their tongues uh, were, uh, they were tongue-tied and they couldn't talk. And uh, Hey, these are all common amongst men. But what he marveled at is the physician that could help them, they were rejecting. It doesn't make sense. Jesus is here to help you this morning. He's here to do miracles amongst you this morning. He said, wherever two or three are gathered together, I'm in the midst of them. 
Why do we come in and, and, and uh, why are we so slow to believe in the power of God? Don't you believe God can work this morning? I believe God can heal a body this morning. I believe God can open a deaf ear. I believe God can, can, can make teeth grow back into people's heads. I believe God can do anything. And the only thing that limits God is our belief. He can take that goiter and just take it out in the name of Jesus. He can touch that sick body and heal it in an instant. He wanted to do some miracles for his people. He, isn't it strange? He could go down to Capernaum, another town down the road, and he could do some great miracles. And he comes to his own people, and his own people say, let's take him out and stone him. Let's throw him off the cliff and accept the fact that it wasn't his time to die. He just walked through the midst of them. But one day they'd hang him on a cross. He came onto his own and his own received him not. No wonder he marveled. <clears throat> he marveled because it was so unreasonable. It just didn't make sense. He'd done everything that he could possibly do to remove their doubts. He'd give them all the evidence that he could possibly give them. And he wanted to do some miracles. And it says he could do not many, many mighty works there. Could do not many mighty works there. Why do we limit God like that? Why don't we open up and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work? Why don't we let Jesus do the work that he wants to do in First Assembly of God? Don't you believe that God wants to do something here this morning? It's unreasonable for us not to accept it. Not only that, he marveled because it was so unkind. He'd gone in and out amongst them all of his life. He'd loved them. He'd yearned for their salvation. He'd invited them to believe. He raised people from the dead. He healed the sick. He'd given sight to the blind. They'd heard of the mighty works that he could do. And he comes to his own people and he says, I want to do something here this morning. And so he opens up the scripture to Isaiah and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. That I might do these mighty works amongst you. He read it right from scripture. And what are they, what's their reaction? They want to take him out and stone him. 
All he wanted to do was give them something, and they wouldn't receive it. They would not believe, and how unkind. It's sinful not to believe. It really is. It says, whatever is not of faith is sin. That's what the Scriptures tells us over in Romans. Whatever is not of faith is sin. To refuse to believe in the power of God is sin. To treat his miracles as if they were tricks. It's a sin. To treat his words as if they were lies. Did he say he would heal you or not? It says this word is forever settled in heaven. If God said it, then who are you to say he can't? They treated him as a, like he was some kind of an imposter. And the reason he marveled, it was so unprofitable. What, what, what could they gain from not believing in him? They had everything to gain by believing. And they had everything to lose by not believing. And it doesn't make sense that we should not believe. God is going to heal someone here this morning. God is going to do miracles in here this morning. And for us not to believe it, is to go away not receiving what God has for us. It's like shaking your fist in the hand of, uh, face of God and saying, leave me alone, I don't want what you have for me. People, God's got some wonderful things that he wants to do here. Amen. I serve a miracle-working God. I've seen him do miracles. But the greatest miracle I've ever seen God do is the miracle he did on me when he saved me from a sinner and made me a preacher. Amen. It was the most unlikely thing you ever heard of. And yet God did it, and God is going to get the credit for it. It's not me, it's Christ. When he changed your life, that's a miracle. And God can do the same miracles here today. He can change a person's life. And that's even better than healing the body, isn't it? Which would you rather have, your body healed or your spirit? Hallelujah. But he's here to heal you body, soul, and spirit. He'll make a new creation out of you. All things will pass away. Behold, all things become new.
We fight with habits, and we try to overcome them in our own strength, and yet we believe that God can't help me, so God doesn't help me. All you got to do is say, God, I need help in this area, and God will help you if you'll get a hold of God in faith. I know he did it for me. And there's no tricks to it. God can overcome drugs. God can overcome alcohol. God can overcome anything. He can overcome the, the, the things that, that humanly it's impossible. Praise God. Hallelujah. Look with me at Matthew 11. <clears throat> Matthew 11. Verse 16. But to what shall I liken this generation? What's this generation like? It's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. For John neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by their children. You see, they, the reason they rejected Jesus, they had a mental picture of what the Messiah should be like and he didn't fit into their mold. And so they missed a miracle. Maybe I don't fit into your mold, but I'm telling you, God still works through me. And God works through the elders. And God can still do miracles. I've seen a boy shoot himself through a hand with a, with a nine millimeter Ruger, a two year old boy, two and a half year old. He should have had the, the hand amputated, but God. He should have had a club for the rest of his life, but God. And God healed that little hand and made it just like it was new. The mother couldn't even tell which hand he'd shot. And it's the same God today. It wasn't Pastor Rook. I didn't have anything to do with it. All I did was ask God to heal. And God will heal in answer to his people. He will answer prayer. He will heal bodies. Hallelujah. He'll save souls. 
you're going to have to react in faith. Hallelujah. It says if there's any sick amongst you, what are you supposed to do? Is there any sick amongst us? Let's, let them, got any physical problem at all? Stand up. Okay. Now God is going to react on your faith. We're going to have the elders come up here. It says if you're sick, call for the elders. Isn't that what it says? All right, elders. Let's form a line across the front of this church. <laughs>